Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This podcast is sponsored by Cloud Optimizer. As a business owner or IT manager, are your cloud investment costs going up and you don't know why? It's time for Cloud Optimizer. As you migrate your business to the cloud, what you're spending and why you're spending it can get a little hazy. But Cloud Optimizer clears up the mystery and puts the cloud to work for you. Cloud Optimizer starts by analyzing usage patterns, right-sizing resources, leveraging discounts you may not be aware of, implementing automation, and much more. And by reducing unnecessary expenses and maximizing performance, Cloud Optimizer guarantees you a savings of five times what you spend for their service. As you utilize cloud-based services more and more, you don't have to lose sight or control of your spend. You can stay agile, streamline your costs, and optimize your performance, plus save significant money with Cloud Optimizer. Make the cloud work for you with Cloud Optimizer. Get a free assessment and find out how much you can save by going to cloudoptimizer.com. Go to cloudoptimizer.com for your free assessment. That's cloudoptimizer.com. Welcome, everybody, to the Hammer and Rails podcast. With you, as always, I'm your host, Andrew Ledman. And I am Ryan Bonaparte. And we are back together once again, second episode of the podcast with Ryan. Glad to have you back. Unfortunately, it is not under good circumstance. We are going to cover uh, Purdue's loss to the Iowa Hawkeyes in the first half of the pod. We're going to take a break, come back, talk about Purdue basketball in the second half because this podcast will release on Tuesday, November 8th, which is the first day of actual basketball, no exhibitions. We're talking real games, ones that count. Uh, so we are very excited for that, but uh, got to start with the bad news first. Purdue obviously goes uh, into ross Aid Stadium, plays one of the worst offenses in the country, and uh, Ryan, what did they allow them to do? Oh yes, put up 24 points while only scoring three, so down 24 to three. Um, Ryan, you had the unfortunate task of writing the game wrap for this one. Um, give me kind of your general impressions of what the hell happened. Just bad football on <laughs> side well that that about does it for us we're gonna wrap it up there because there's really oh, nothing else that needs to be said i'm exactly. gonna i'm gonna crack open a coke zero as i listen to this there you go you knew it was gonna be bad the second pregame happened <laughs> right and when the players ran on the field the extra special just decided to stall and just quit and that was just unfortunate foreshadowing for the rest of the day yeah i mean I who, who it, knew it was going to be an omen it was it was bad the purdue offense played one of their classic bad weather games under jeff brom but yeah. 
this wasn't even a bad weather game for both teams. Normally those end in a 9-6 to six shootout, but this one, the Iowa offense went 16 minutes and looked like the best offense we've played this season. Between the final or the first minute of the second quarter and the first minute of the third quarter, they put up all 24 of their points, and Spencer Petrus, of all people, looked like Joe Montana out there. Yeah, which is not a sentence I think that's ever been said. No, absolutely not. On his three consecutive drives, two of which ended in a touchdown, one with the field goal, which was miraculous in itself, uh, Petrus went 8 of 9 for 170 yards and two touchdowns. Jeez, absolutely no resistance from the Purdue defense. None whatsoever. I know the secondary was banged up, but this was just not a good showing. Yeah, I mean, especially as we as we talked about in the last episode, just how badly this Iowa offense had done all year. Um, I mean, they'd woken up a little bit in their prior game, uh, but I believe that was against Northwestern. So, it, you know, not not exactly a powerhouse. And then they come into Purdue and just, you know, 24 points is not exactly lighting the world on fire from an offensive perspective. But when you're one of the worst offenses in the country, 24 points, I mean, they were they were about ready to throw a parade for Brian Ferentz in Iowa City, I'm sure. Um, I mean, that's that's how bad it looked for Purdue for the most of the game. So, obviously, you know, allowing the Iowa offense to score 24 points, very bad. But the Purdue offense could get nothing going all game. Um, You know, turnovers from AOC. He had two interceptions in this game, combined with three from the prior game. Um, So that's five interceptions in the last two games, which has doubled his season uh, from five interceptions in those prior games to ten total now, Um, you know. What is going on with him? Do we think maybe those ribs are still injured, or is Brom just not putting him in a position uh, to really be successful? There'd be a, a little bit of combination of both, and then as well as Aiden O'Connell right now is only looking at Charlie Jones. The rest of his receiving group is doing nothing for the offense. In this game, Charlie Jones had 10 or excuse me, 11 catches for 104 yards. Nobody else on the offense had more than two catches. Yeah. Payne Durham had two. Dylan Downing had two. Everybody else had either one or zero. So nobody is stepping up and being a consistent number two, or at least Payne Durham seemed to be covered very well in this game. They schemed very well for him. But nobody is a second wide receiver option for Aiden O'Connell. And he, I would like to see how many targets Charlie Charlie Jones had. I believe it was 20. 20. Of the 43 passes Aiden O'Connell threw. (laughs) Right? Everyone knew where the ball was going. Yeah, I I think your annoyed grunt there is about what sums it up. Um, I think there a lot of people had a lot of problems with the way Jeff Brom called this game, including, you know, getting down to the two-yard line after uh, a Devin Mockaby 16 or 17-yard run, I can't remember the exact number, uh, to mm-hmm. get to the two-yard line. And then Mockaby doesn't even get a chance to punch it in. Instead, Brom calls three straight pass plays, um, and Purdue does not get the touchdown. So it, right. it's just head-scratching. And I, somebody uh, put out on Twitter, and I thought it was great, that after all these years, uh, football coaches are still trying to prove that Pete Carroll made the right call in the Super Bowl. Um, and they are failing to do so. <laughs> failing to do so every time. Uh, it's just, 
I, I'm a I'm a Jeff Brom supporter. Uh, I think he was a good hire. I think he's really done wonders for Purdue football, considering where we were. But there are just there's at least one to two games every season where you look at it and you're like, I don't know what he was doing out there. I don't know what he was seeing from the defense. I don't know what plays he was calling. I don't know what he was hoping to achieve. And this was right up there with one of those games. He often seems to be overthinking everything, you know, because with, without a doubt, he is a good offensive mind, but he seems to try to play like four-dimensional chess when everybody else is out there playing checkers. And sometimes when that happens, you psych yourself out of a good call and into one that is just a little too clever. Exactly. And between Devin Mockaby and Dylan Downing in this game, they had 23 carries for 100 yards combined. In a Which bad is good. weather game especially. Right, exactly. They averaged over four yards a rush. They just didn't get as many touches as most people would think. And then I know Coach Brom in his presser actually said that because it's a precision passing offense, bad weather games don't help. So it was a clear situation where you needed to rush the ball and he just refused to in this. Now, a lot of that was playing catch up in the second half, but in the it's still you need to have the ability to set up your pass by mm-hmm. running the ball. Yeah, you can't just become one-dimensional, especially against a team with such a good defense in Iowa. Exactly, and Kirk Ferentz knows how to scheme against a team. He's been doing it for over 20 years, so... Once you go into his hands of the defense and when he knows what you're going to do, it's over. You can't play catch-up against these teams. And we're talking about the offense. We haven't even talked about Iowa's rushing game, who went for 200 yards. This felt like a team. This felt like a Wisconsin team, which played defense very well and rushed right over us. Mm -hmm. And we cannot play catch-up against them. No. No, I mean, so just about everything that could have gone wrong for Purdue did in this game. And, I mean, with that, for a while there, we thought the the Big Ten West was out of reach. However, then later on in the day, Illinois lost to Michigan State. Um, So now, um, Ryan, I know you looked this up, and I apologize for putting you on the spot. I don't know if you have this in front of you. Um, what is the most likely scenario for Purdue to win the Big Ten West? Is it just win the last three games and we win? Do we still control our own destiny, or does something else need to happen now? So Purdue does not control its own destiny because it does not hold the tiebreaker over Iowa or Wisconsin. Right now, Illinois is 4-2 in conference. Then Purdue, Iowa, Wisconsin, and Minnesota all sit at 3-3. and so if Purdue were to run the table, they would need Iowa or Wisconsin, who play each other. So one team is guaranteed a loss. One of the winner of that game will have to lose another game. Okay. Most likely to Nebraska. Oh, that seems that's asking a lot. It is. So there are scenarios in which Purdue makes the Big Ten championship in Indianapolis, but it's going to take some work. Gotcha. And right now, none of their games going forward look like gimmies. No, no. I mean, next week is going to be extremely tough. I know Illinois has lost now to Michigan State and IU, two programs that are not really looking good this year. But at the same time, I believe they have the number one ranked defense in the country. And we just saw what this Purdue offense did against 
uh, a top-ranked defense in Iowa, and this Illinois one is, you know, ranked better. So I am not too confident getting ready to head into Champaign next week. But, you know, enough of this negativity, enough talking about Purdue football when we're all still very frustrated about it. But uh, I think we can set this game aside. As you said in your game wrap, just burn everything, burn the tape, burn the uniforms. Uh, Let's Mm -hmm. not talk about this one again. Uh, We're going to take a break here, and then we're going to come back because... It's basketball season now, baby. Let's go. Oh, yeah, for sure. And we are back. So, as promised, we're moving on from the depressing uh, Purdue football loss to Iowa, and we're talking about the beginning of the 2022-2023 Purdue men's basketball season, which, if you are listening to this on Tuesday, November 8th, begins at 6.30 p.m. as Purdue takes on uh, Milwaukee. So, Ryan, quick question. Do you know the mascot of Milwaukee? I do because I had to look it up. It is the Milwaukee Panthers. Okay. Yeah, I would have had I no idea. I would have had no idea if I didn't Correct. have it right in front of me. I didn't know before this yeah. week either. Yeah, so Purdue, uh, first game of the year. Going to start out, of course, at Mackey because, you know, we are a, a Big Ten program, so we get a lot of these early mm-hmm. games at home. Um, over the 17 seasons that Matt Painter has been at Purdue – Purdue is 16-1 and one in season opening games, having won the last nine by an average of 28.2 points per game. So uh, let us hope that this game is kind of in that vein. Uh, Ryan, I know you told me a couple little tidbits about Milwaukee. We don't have to spend too much time on them. Uh, they are in the Horizon League, for those that were curious. Uh, but you mentioned a couple things that might be relevant for today uh, today's game, if you're listening yeah, to this on um, Tuesday. So I guess the... Record for Milwaukee, at as it stands, they are 1-0. and They played the Milwaukee School of Engineering, who apparently has a basketball team. I was, and yeah, I was going to say. they won 102-46, so... Okay, so some points. They, they put up some points. They are able to score the ball, so that's something. And then they do have a backup center who is foot one, so he may be able to... Square up better than anybody else against Zach Eadie. That's good. I mean, you know, obviously, I if he's their backup center and he's seven one, he might not be the most talented guy in the block. But it would be really good to have a bit of a challenge for Edie, even if it is just you know a big body that gets thrown at him. Um, I don't expect the talent to be on par, but you know, to to have an early season big guy go after Edie would be really great. Just to to see how he stacks up now that. You know, he's a year further into his development at Purdue. So I think that will be very good. Um, for those who are listening and want to know what's going on with this game, it is a 6.30 tip, and it is on Big Ten Network. So this is not one of them that's on Big Ten Plus. This is on the good old regular Big Ten Network. You'll be able to watch it 6.30 p.m. in Mackey Arena. Uh, I believe it is a sellout, as are most of the games this year. So that is that's really enough about Milwaukee. It, I wanted to talk more about the season in general. Um, Purdue has some pretty interesting games in the preseason, or I'm sorry, the non-conference. We play Marquette in the Gavit games. That one's at home. Uh, We travel to Portland for the Phil Knight Legacy uh, Tournament, which is, of course, Phil Knight, the founder of Nike. So we've got a game against West Virginia. Then following that, Purdue's going to play the winner of Gonzaga-Portland State. Uh, and then one more game in that tournament, but of course that's a couple down the line, so we don't know yet who that will be against. Uh, further on in the non-conference, Purdue has a game which seems to be now about annually or semi-annually 
against Florida State. So that will be in Tallahassee this year as part of the Big Ten ACC Challenge. Um, then we've got you know the the holiday break games that are going to be against some some random schools. We got Florida A and M, Davidson, but you know the Big Ten schedule, of course, is really what we all care about the most. And I think the Big Ten is going to be quite different this year. There was a lot of good players that left either in the draft or transferred or you know just graduated. So do you have any kind of big thoughts about who you are looking for as the the main competition in the Big Ten, who you're projecting to maybe win the conference? So I know there are a a lot of people saying that a particular school a little bit south of Purdue is going to be the world beaters in the Big Ten. I've seen that as well. Uh, Casey and I mocked those people quite often on this podcast. So before you say your next words, I want you to choose them carefully. If you do pick them to win the conference, I do not think I will invite you back. Even if that's truly what you believe, I want you to Luckily, lie to me. Luckily, I could never pick them to win the conference. <laughs> good, good. So the team that I am most intrigued with for this season is actually Illinois. I know they lost some big pieces last season with Kofi Coburn and Andre Curbelo leaving. So... But I know they brought in a couple key transfers, and uh, I know Mike My- or Michael Mayer, and then um, one other guard. I can't put my tongue on his name, but they seem to just reload every year now, and they look like they can be quicker and not so focused on Kofi Coburn, so you can spread a little bit more and attack. Yeah, that was kind of um, their to their detriment at times last year. I mean, Coburn was obviously incredibly talented, but sometimes, and we've seen this at Purdue, when you focus so much on one guy, especially if that player is a center, it can often be to your detriment uh, on the offensive end because it turns you into kind of a, a low, slow, plotting team that a lot of defenses can really game plan for and take advantage of, a, of that. Um, and maybe with Coburn gone, they can really open up that offense at Illinois um, as you said, they they do have a lot of talent over there. Right, and you see this, the new way that ba- college basketball is. You know that every year the top transfers are going to go somewhere, and it's going to completely realign conferences. And it's a matter of getting those seniors that want one last shot on a top team and really gunning for yeah. it right before the end of their career, before they either go and play professional ball or hang up their shoes for, you know, for good. Yeah, yeah. In fact, we were talking about this in the group chat. Uh, Granted, we were talking about it with football, but I think it's just as applicable to um, basketball season where, you know, it used to be everything everything you did in recruiting as a coach was, you know, you were going after high school players, you were getting them in, you were either, you know, you might be redshirting them, but you were developing them so that in two to three years you had a really solid core and you just have to repeat that process year in, year out. Whereas now with the transfer portal and everything else, um, the liberal transfer rules, it makes recruiting the transfer portal and anybody who's available that much more important because, as you said, you can get those guys, basically rent-a-players for one year, who you have so much more data on, you know who they are as a player, and you can bring them in with much lower risk than it would be a guy who you're investing maybe four or five years, and you've made an offer to them when they're 16 years old. Um, you know, a lot of the development work and a lot of uh, 
of the you know scouting work has already been done for you because those players have played in college basketball and coaches have to learn that they've got to be good at the transfer portal if they want to stay relevant right now um you know painter had some trouble in the offseason we missed on our top guys at the point guard position um but just in the one exhibition we've been able to watch um i think david jenkins jr uh you know played a pretty good game and uh, I really hope that can continue because he he looked like he could add a three point shot and some ball handling though not as a you know not as the primary ball handler for this team but I think he could be a real addition. But looking at the Big Ten as a whole, I think I agree with your pick. Um, I think Illinois is who I would take to win the conference. Um, unfortunately, I would pick IU very high um, in the conference, but I just I, I haven't seen enough from them to truly trust them to win the conference at this point, I think I'll stick with Illinois. Yeah, and it really comes down to there are about four teams that are seemingly year in and year out going to be top contenders in the Big Ten. It's just how it is coming down to their bigger brands. So you'll have your Illinois now. You'll usually have your Michigans, your Michigan States. So... When you get those teams in the non-Blue Bloods that are the non-normal contenders in the conference, that's when you have a fun season, in my opinion. But this looks like it could be a pretty bread-and-butter um, season. So you have your I, your IU and Michigan, yeah. your Illinois. Those are supposed to be your top, top teams. Um, Purdue is right there with them. And then once you get down to the bottom of the league, that's when you see your stragglers that are normally straggling. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Minnesota, I think, is is going to be bad again this year. Uh, ben Johnson has not really put together much of a squad over there. I think Nebraska is going to continue to struggle. Same with Northwestern, you know, as we say every year. Um, you know, I hate to see Penn State struggle, struggle because they've now got, you know, Micah Shrewsbury as their coach, and he, he has done such great yes. things for Purdue and uh, a really good guy. So I'm really rooting for them, but, of course, not to the mm-hmm. detriment of Purdue. Um, but stepping away from the league, Purdue's got a lot of newcomers. Um, who are you most looking forward to kind of making an impact for this Purdue team? Just pick one player who you're most most looking forward to that is as new to the squad, whether that be via redshirt, transfer, or true freshman. So I think the obvious pick is Trey Kaufman-Wren. Just this, yeah, yeah. how highly touted he was coming into – his Purdue career, and then the pretty unexpected red shirt. So we'll actually be able to see that Coach Painter had a true plan for him in his red shirt, and now I think he got his one year of free practice with you know a Big Ten squad, and now he can really show off his... Yeah, yeah. So just to be different, I'm going to say someone other than Trey Kaufman-Wren, even though he would have mm-hmm. been my choice. Uh, I'm going to go with Fletcher Lawyer. Um, I think he is going to be a pretty important piece because he's such a good three-point shooter. Um, Last year, of course, won the NCAA uh, three-point shooting contest, both the uh, male and then they have the champion versus champion division where the the male winner goes against the female winner. He won that as well. Uh, Ryan Klein was the last Purdue Boilermaker to do that, and obviously we know uh, what Klein did here at Purdue. And... Purdue just needs shooters. I mean, it's it's college basketball. It's it's 2022. The three-point shot continues to be more important than it ever has been. So Purdue needs to find some consistency from deep. 
and I think Lawyer is the guy that can do that for Purdue. Um, I want to get you on the record. Um, for those who have been listening to the podcast for a long time, you'll know that uh, as Casey and I went through the offseason, we talked about all the players. We talked about um, kind of some predictions. We we made predictions on who we thought the second leading scorer on the team would be at the end of the year uh, because both of us assumed, I think rightly so, that Zach Eady would be the number one uh, scorer on the team. So my answer was Mason Gillis. Um, Casey, Casey said, uh, Caleb first, he then, however, Mm -hmm. weaseled out of it in a, in a podcast subsequently and said, uh, Fletcher lawyer, but I still held him to first and I've got that written in my note (laughs) for the podcast here. Uh, so I want you on the record. Who do you think is going to be the second leading scorer? Um, just judging by the exhibition game, I think I might go with David Jenkins. Yeah, Mm -hmm. I think that's not a bad guess. Yeah, I mean, it's, it feels like he's going to get a lot of shots up, and that could just be um, how he gets those points. And if, if that's how right. it happens, good for him. You know, he's getting a real big opportunity here. you see here. this increasingly so with a Matt Painter offense. We all know Zach Eady is going to get his down low. It's really a matter of surrounding our big man with the correct shooters. And with a player like Jenkins, with his three-point shot, he can put that up. But also he shows the ability to drive a little bit to which he can then either go up for a layup or he can uh, dish back out. So it's it's a pretty clear cut strategy that Matt Painter employs, but it's a very solid one that gets pretty far, especially with a player like Zach Eady who can just dominate down low. Yeah, yeah, I think that's a good pick. Um, And I'm glad that it's different than mine, so we'll see where it goes. I got one question for you before we get out of here. Um, I want your overall prediction of of, uh, where you think Purdue will go. Do you think NCAA tournament and what round? So I think they definitely make the tournament. I would say get to the Sweet 16, but lose in the Sweet 16. Okay, see, that's exactly what I have written down for myself. So uh, we seem to be in agreement on that one. I just think Purdue has built such Matt Painter has built such a kind of a machine mm-hmm. here at Purdue that even when things go wrong and when they get down, um, he does find a way to get the best out of the team. I know we've had some down years in the past, um, but I still think we the expectation should be NCAA tournament every year, um, and getting out of that first weekend is something that Painter needs to be able to do consistently because once you get to the Sweet 16, it's all about mm-hmm. who you play and the matchups. And I, I believe Purdue can get there once again. And I just hope they play somewhere near me so I can maybe go once again and uh, break the bad luck that I had when I went to see them against right. St. Peter's. As long as we don't play the Peacocks, we're okay. <laughs> that's right. That's right. So I don't know about you, but I'm, I'm very excited for basketball season to come. Uh, it, it really feels like it snuck up on me as we were just so focused on football, but I'm really looking forward to it. Um, Ryan, I'm, I'm looking forward to having you back on the podcast each and every week. We're going to talk about football. We're going to talk about basketball. Um, so it's, it's the most exciting time of year because we've got overlap between college football and college basketball. So um, for Ryan and myself, we want to thank you for listening. Let's yep. boiler up, folks. Purdue basketball sure, is back. Down.